Hello, friends, and welcome to the Cosmic Circle, the podcast for thecosmiccircus.com. I'm Isla Ruby, and I'm very excited to talk to you today with some special guests about Shazam. Um, we have Brian Kitson and, and Victor Reinfuss. How are you guys doing? Hey, everybody. This is Brian. It's great to be here. I'm ready to talk about some Shazam. Hi, I'm Vic. How are you? <laughs> it's just Vic. It's easier. <laughs> Now, Vic's a writer for the site, and we're very, very excited to have him on the podcast. Um, he did one other. I think you did The Mandalorian for us. Yeah, yeah. The Mando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That was a good discussion. We love that one. So we're excited to have him back. This is yeah, going to be I'm even better. <laughs> so we're talking Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and we all got a chance to see it um, over the past couple of days. Um, you know, I'm curious, what were your impressions going into it? Did you like, did you like it? Did you, did you hate it? And I'd also love to know what you thought going into it. Like, did you expect to like it? Because there's been a lot of conversation and a lot of, um, a lot of stuff on the internet about it. Yeah, so I want to start off by saying I liked the first Shazam. I thought it was a really good family movie, especially for, um, you know, going to see it with like my younger nephews. Um, it felt more like the family friendly version of whatever DC was trying to do at the time. And so I had maybe quite a bit of expectations going into Shazam Fury of the Gods. Um, I thought it was going to be something of the same caliber. Um, and I have to say, I was mildly disappointed with this film. It was not my favorite. I think that it's one of the lower ranking films on the DC list. A lot of the jokes didn't hit for me. Um, they hit for my younger nephew, so maybe it's still skewed for younger audiences. I feel like a lot of the things that made the first one great were missing from this, especially um, I think that we were missing a lot of a lot of Billy. We got a lot of Shazam, but there was not that a lot of balance. And um yeah, this film didn't do it for me. I was I was kind of bored throughout most of it. So I know that's a strong opinion and people are kind of uh, some people are loving it. Some people are hating it. And I'm definitely in the camp of not quite liking it. I'm shocked because, Brian, you normally really, you know, like things. So I'm I'm totally shocked. I yeah, I'm usually I can usually find a lot of positive things about things. I try to spin things very positively when I review them. Um, because I know people put a lot of hard work into making these films. Um, and there was definitely some good parts. And maybe I'll feel better watching it a second time by not having maybe the preconceived notions of it being the first film. Um, but it just didn't hit the way that I was hoping it was going to be. Yeah, for me, it was a really great movie. I love the first Shazam. It was, it was a very great family movie. Like... You know, watching it with family or watching it alone, it doesn't matter. It, it's just it's just a great movie. It has a warm story, warm characters. Like, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, basically they took the first part of the Shazam movie, the, the first Shazam movie, and just copied it and passed it uh, into the second, The Fury of the Gods. Uh, and by it, I mean, they copied the the family relations, they copied the family status, all that it was at the beginning, and they just pasted it here and developed it. So I really like it. But um, when it comes to the Fury of the Gods, I was very skeptical at the, when the first trailer when the first trailer came out, and I was very shocked because I didn't expect it to be so chaotic, so so very 
I don't know if the word frustrating is good, but I felt that they mixed different genres and just put it there. And my my opinion about it was kind of neutral until it until you know, I think I saw it a few weeks ago. Uh, the the first opinions about the movie and people were really really happy. Of course, some of them were really happy that they saw it and. When I saw it yesterday, I just thought, okay, it's a really great movie, more not the standard movie per se, but like a really good comic book movie. Shazam is to they took it they took him straight from straight out from the comics, so so I'm really happy with it. I mean, there's a lot of things, just like Brian said, they they could add it, they could add uh, a lot of things, but I'm really happy with it. So my um. I guess I have a little bit of a different perspective than you both. So I my my Shazam knowledge kind of starts and ends with this movie. Um, I I tried watching the first one because I felt okay, it's a comic book movie. I want to watch it, but I'm from Philadelphia, and I got really angry within like the first five minutes <laughs> at seeing just stuff that didn't make sense, and I I couldn't like divorce that from the movie itself, so I had to stop watching. Um, but I, I wanted to do this a try, give this movie a try, you know, and I actually, you know, I think Vic, you use the word chaotic to describe it. And I think, I think that works. Um, the first half of the movie for me was very chaotic. It was just, you know, me trying to figure out what was going on and understand all of the different players. Um, I thought they did a, a good job of kind of bringing you into the world if you had never seen it before. So I can totally see that thing where you said they copy and pasted the first part of the movie into the second movie because I had to do some world building there. And I thought by the like by the end, I was getting emotionally invested in the movie and I, I cried at the end because, you know, I, I cry at stuff. Um, so I, I thought by the end it had been redeemed. Um, just that first half of the movie was really rough for me. Um, and I also... So I really li like Zachary Levi. I loved Chuck. You know, I thought he was super charming and like he, he was a good actor there. There was none of that in this movie for me. And I just like found him like his portrayal of Shazam really grating. And I don't know if that was mm -hmm. the material he had to work with or what, but it kind of bothered me the whole time on the screen. Um, so that was a little difficult for me, too. But Yeah. <laughs> You know, one of the things about Zachary Levi that I think for this film is difficult is that, you know, with Chuck, I feel like he was very, he like had a very good handle on this. I think the biggest problem here is that him and the actor who plays Billy, um, what is his name? Uh, Asher, Asher something, right? Asher, Asher Angel. That yeah, sounds right. Um they're so different mm -hmm. and there's not even like a, a chance to like, try to like rectify that even in the first film in this film. Shazam reminds me more of who Freddie is as a character, you know, yeah. he's not Billy. And like, they just kind of play off of I'm, I'm a fun, I'm a child, I'm goofy. But then Asher's characterization of Billy is someone who's like more serious and like about family. And like, there's like this emotional complex to him and he's not all just like about goofing off. And so I think like that to me is where a lot of this yeah. gradingness came for me is because I, I couldn't 
rationalize the two different characters. And I think this is actually happening with all of the characters, you know, mm-hmm. um, the youngest uh, sister, which they don't really say her name much. They don't the, really... the unicorn girl. Darla? Yes. Yes. Darla. There you go. Darla. There you go. Uh, um, her characterization between she was like a grown up child. And then she's like this really baby fied superhero. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it felt like that none of the heroes matched the human counterparts for a lot of them, with the exception of Mary. Yep. Um, and, and she was that, just that... the same character, even, you know, she mm-hmm. was the same as a child and as an adult, because, you right. know, there wasn't that much of a difference. Right. And so I think like that, like you, could, that was a little bit easier to like see and understand. The rest of it um, really kind of got to me this film. And I found myself like this Zachary Levi was a miscast for the role of Shazam. So I, I I think you nailed it. I think actually that's that's probably what that perfectly encapsulates the problem that I had with, you know, that disconnect. And I think, um, you know, I keep thinking about Freaky Friday with Jamie Lee Curtis mm-hmm. and Lindsay Lohan. And I think if it had been a situation like that, if maybe the the adult characterization had kind of matched Billy a little bit more, that would have been better. Because like you said, Billy as a as a child seemed much more serious and, and a little bit more grounded than like super immature Billy as, as an adult, even though he's really just a child. Like they didn't feel like mm. the same person. Whereas in Freaky Friday, they are very clearly, the actors are very clearly playing the same character, but just in, you know, that different body. <laughs> um, it's very problematic, I think. Because <laughs> when you know Shazam from the comics, he's always childish. And if you saw Young Justice, he's like this all the time. Even when he grew up, even when Billy is, I think he was in his mid-twenties, in season three or four. And when he changes into Shazam, he's, he still looks the same. So so I think it's a very problematic thing to write both Billy and Shazam as the same person, even though, you know, even though they should be. Yeah. So in the comics, then, are you saying that they basically, they have the same personality, it's just, you know, different bodies then? Yeah, very often, because um, in public, Billy acts like he's a mature, like he's a very responsible person sometimes, but his Shazam, you know, he doesn't know the limit. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah. So he's now- childish always, almost always. So given given our thoughts and given, you know, you guys thoughts on on the character, you know, so this is the second movie in in the Shazam, I guess you could call it a franchise. I don't know what it is yet. Um, Do you want to see more Shazam movies? Do you want to see more of the character? Do you think they can salvage him? So I had I had this thought, you know, I went to go see this with my sister Luna. um, And as we were leaving, I said, I think that if they do the same thing that they did for Mary, that there is a future for the series. When Mary became 18, they kept the same actress. And when they were doing some interviews, um, I, and I could maybe be misinterpreting it, it was the idea that now that she's an adult, she's the same hero that she was. Like, she doesn't have to change. She's a hero. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking in my head, if they did this with Asher Angel, and they just, now that he's t- about to turn 18, um they could just age him up and he could become Shazam. I think that would be the better choice of a future for this and get rid of Zachary Levi. <laughs> and it sounds like I'm hating Zachary Levi. And I want you to know, I don't hate him. I just <laughs> don't think he's right for this part. And I think that there's a better future forward. I think it's 
if you're going to keep them aged up and you're not going to recast and do a whole reboot with the new world and get like younger children, um, it's time to do the same thing that we did to Mary. That's just, I know that's controversial. Yeah, it's kind of controversial because, you know, when when they change into Shazam, uh, it's meant to, you know, to represent their full potential. So I think it's better to cast uh, Zach Levi as Billy instead of aging up Usher. So, so, so that would work with the lore and all of that. I think it would be more, you know, more fitting. Yeah. Yeah, but he's like 40. Yeah. (laughs) He's like a very, and this, he just comes up, plays very old, even though he's got like immature dialogue. He just, and that sounds terrible. Um, Interesting. You know, I think too, one of the problems, if you just get rid of him entirely, when you have like a big star name, and I guess, I guess Zachary Levi is now a big star name because of Chuck and, and everything else. Like you expect that to be, um, helping the box office and you know you can say it either did or didn't with with shazam um in this particular case but i think if if you know billy's actor i i wonder if, if that would figure into their thinking if they would want billy's actor to to headline a movie versus versus zachary levi um i i kind of feel the same way you do brian i i would like to see him you know take that mantle and just see what we can do with that because I think that's also um I like seeing a, a fresh face so I I would I'd be more into that and I, I in this movie I just wanted more Billy and like I thought the, I thought the actor could also play, play you know I think that one of my concerns too and just in case we didn't have a spoiler spoiler everybody yeah spoiler sorry guys um but at the very end, when we had the post credit scene where he kind of gets invited to the Justice Society, I was a little thrown off because I was like, <laughs> this, especially like my nephews, and they're like, who are these characters? And one of them actually knew it was, they're from Peacemaker. And I was like, we're trying to mix this mature mm-hmm. series with something that's skewed younger with the characters very young. And I think that like, it just feels like the tones are not matching still. And I think that they need someone who's maybe if they want him to fit into a more mature world, even if he's childish, they need someone who doesn't have Zachary Levi's comedic chops. I think like he has a very specific type of comedy, which was great for Chuck, you know, Um, or anything else he's done. I'm not quite sure what else he's done. I haven't seen him in a lot of things. Um, I don't know. I don't know besides Chuck either. I I love Chuck. I don't know what else he's been in besides that. Um, But like, Yeah. And so, like, to me, like, those don't those don't seem to line up. And so, like, the future, I think, either has to be a full reboot or they have to figure something out or they need to get the tone right for who Shazam is. Um, I also was really confused, too, that, like, they didn't know his superhero name till the end of the second film because mm-hmm. I thought that was something that was... I thought, like, they knew that in the first film and um, I don't know. I, I can rant. I'm sorry. <laughs> it seemed like something they just kind of wanted to play with and have fun with. Um, I thought I thought they knew his super name or superhero name as well. I did like the um, I think the original Shazam saying that he was called Captain Marvel. I thought that was really fun. Um, mm-hmm. I liked that moment. And what was what were the other names for him? It was like Electric Voltman or something like that. I'm, I'm probably butchering that. Fingers. Yeah, exactly. That, that was kind of fun. Um, 
but I, I didn't get that thread either because I thought they had, you know, solved that. Um, I do agree with you that I think it's a tone mismatch. And I wonder if, you know, that's part of, um, part of the issue with DC going forward. I think they have to kind of decide where, where these people live and what, where these, um, where these stories live, because this movie was, I think it was geared, like you guys said, to be more family friendly, right? There wasn't blood and a, a lot of, um, like bad violence. It was, it was more comic booky violence. It was, you know, more, um, like you could take your nephew to it. You could take kids to it that probably aren't very young, but you could, you know, still watch it with them. And I think something like, um, Peacemaker, like you, you shouldn't be letting a 10 year old watch that, um, or whoever's going to watch Sam. So yeah, it's, it's a tone thing. Uh, Were you... Okay. Talk Brian. No, I was going to ask you, Vic, were you okay with that, with the mix match of bringing in Peacemaker? Yeah, I mean, I love Peacemaker, so I didn't have a yeah. problem with it. But when I I was sitting with around maybe 20, 25 people on the screening, so I saw that they didn't know who, who those characters are. So, so that was a very problematic thing, but... Mm-hmm. I guess that since we got HBO Max in Poland, they can easily go and watch Peacemaker, so that mm-hmm. won't be a problem. But uh, what's very problematic for me is that they didn't even try to, you know, to bring Gal Gadot or, or Jason Momoa for this scene because they should be, or maybe even Aldis Hodge, since uh, Billy mm-hmm. is joining Justice Society and not Justice League, so <laughs> and he's the leader, so maybe. Even him, or what was her name? Contessa? Contessa, yeah. Contessa Swindle. Uh, mm. Maybe bring them and ask Billy to join the Justice Society and not send Harcourt or Economos. Because, you know, it felt like it was the last time, last minute thing they added. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. that felt really inappropriate for me. From what I read, um, the the director, I think David Sandberg, had another post credit scene planned, and mm-hmm. like they so they built this gas station that he was at. Um, you know they had that all set up, but I think at the last minute, I'm forgetting who they were supposed to have come shoot couldn't do it because of schedules or whatever. So Peter Safran, who had a relationship with um, with with Harcourt and Economos, I'm forgetting the actors' names from you know his time on Peacemaker, called them and they basically showed up to to save the day for the post-credit scene and you know this this elaborate setup they had built so that was kind of i think a last minute shoehorn thing part of me also wonders too though if part of it was um intentional because they still a lot of the big names they don't know who's coming back but we know Mm -hmm. peacemaker season two is coming and we know that one of those people is very tied to james gunn if not both of them and um so I think it it was a very calculated move of we still don't know where the pieces of this puzzle are falling, but we still want to tease that this there is a future here. Um, it was also kind of it kind of did appear like that was filmed way after because Zachary Levi looked incredibly different. He looked like he didn't <laughs> have nearly as much muscle mass as some of his other scenes. He but was after um, skiing with suffering. So. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. Um, I just think it was a it was a weird um, addition, but I will say this: if anyone can get Shazam right, it's going to be James Gunn because 
mm-hmm. he could do something along the lines of like a Peter Quill type character who is a hero and has this maturity, even though he's super immature. And I think that James Gunn, if he wrote Shazam either for Peacemaker or, you know, the Amanda Waller show or even for a Shazam threequel, um, he would do a really good job balancing that character and getting it right. So I do have hope for that. I think that's fair. So we've talked, we've talked a lot about things we, you know, that didn't quite work for us, things that we kind of had issues with. Um, So was there anything in the movie, and Brian, this might be hard for you, that you really liked, that you really um, thought they did super well, that you, like, you absolutely want to see more of? What were your favorite things, basically? (laughs) I... I'm going to say right now that there was actually quite a few things that I liked about this film, but the first one for me um, was actually um, Pedro's coming out scene and how, you know, they're like, if you have any secrets, say it. And he says it and they just all turn him. They're like, yeah, we know buddy. And like, that was such like this heart will Like mm-hmm. it didn't have to be a big thing. It didn't have to be, we're all going to cry about it. We didn't have to, you know, as, as a gay man, the trope of like, it has to be this big family changing moment is so overdone and it doesn't have to be big and changing. I think we need to normalize that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was scary for Pedro because he didn't know what was going to happen, adding the dynamic that I'm also a foster child. I could be let go at any time. These people have no ties to me and they still all loved him because they are a family. I thought that was super excellent. And I was, I really want to applaud the film for, for normalizing that aspect. I do also think that the family aspect of the film was really good. I think that, they did trauma really well. We have, you know, Mary's trauma of not going to college and resenting that because she feels like she has to stay there to protect the family and she's shouldering that burden. We have Billy's worry about having to keep everybody together because he's going to lose his family. And you see the progression of him accepting Rosa as his mom. And I did cry during that scene because I'm not a monster. Um, the family aspect of this film was really good. Even with the villains, their family dynamics and how... We have uh, Dame Helen Mirren change sides in the very mm-hmm. end because she realizes that Lucy Liu's character is batshit crazy. And <laughs> um, there was a really good family dynamic. And, you know, as a motivating factor, family was at the center of this. So I did like that because it still makes it partially a family film, even though it was maybe a tone darker than the last one. So those two things really stood out to me of things that I loved about this film. Okay, so... I would say family aspect, of course, it's always important. I really love it, especially the scene where they're like, oh no, you're turning 18, you have to leave the house because they won't pay anymore for you. And in the end, we learned that uh, the father bought the house so they can all live in the in the family nest. So, so that was sweet, but mm-hmm. I really loved Freddy especially in this film and his relationships with all the characters with uh, Wizard Shazam, with Antia, especially with Antia. It was really, really great for me. And I loved it. Uh, but uh, do you remember this scene where they're, uh, when Freddy and Wizard are um, sort of fighting the dragon for the first time and Antia rescues them? I really felt like it was some comedic sketch, but uh, they didn't finish it in time, so there was some kind of missed opportunity there. Um, I really love the music. I'm the guy that really focuses on the technical mm-hmm. aspects and on the music, especially. 
uh, and it was really good, especially I Need a Hero, <laughs> such a classic. <laughs> um, what more? Hmm. I don't know. I got oh, I forgot about this. Suits, suits are really, really good. Yes, ones. yeah, they were really I, nice. I love the suits from the first movie, but those new ones, oh, such a great, such, such a great lift. I mean, um. I think they they were taken straight from the Shazam mythology, like mm -hmm. uh, in the Cedars, the whole the whole past, the whole history, history, mm -hmm. um, the mythol Greek mythology, etc. And they took uh, I think there were symbols on the suits, like really small ones that you can barely see, but uh, when you close up, they're there. And I really I really loved it, like mm -hmm. it it seems. I mean, I'm a big DC fan, so basic uh, basic viewers that like, okay, okay, go go watch it, enjoy it. We don't care, and it made it, it made the movie for me. I I definitely like how the, the I love the suits this film. I thought they were an improvement. I like that they weren't so bulky. The la the last, especially Shazam's in the last one, looked fake because they had so much like padding on it to make him look more muscular to have that like tr traditional Shazam chest and stuff. This one looked better because it was just, it was more lifelike and it seemed more like, okay, these are heroes that are trying to like move. <laughs> I think, you know, the suits, they were really vibrant. And I think that's part of mm -hmm. a kind of a larger thing in the movie too. Like the cinematography, whatever lighting choices they made, I kind of appreciated that you could actually see see the things in the movie and that maybe that's just because i'm old but um <laughs> i feel like a lot of the marvel stuff i i can't see all of what's going on on screen to necessarily appreciate it mm -hmm. and shazam had this kind of brightness and lightness and i liked that i liked being able to see things in the background like the you no know, shazamming in the house cross stitch and just notice all mm -hmm. of those things that people um you know, the set designers, the production designers, everyone put so much effort into building out this world. I, I enjoyed that. Um, like you guys mentioned, I really liked the family aspect. And, you know, some of that, the humor was hit or miss for me, but some of the humor, like the pediatrician, I thought was really funny that it was highly recommended. Um, and I also, I, I agree with you guys that I liked Freddie in this movie. And at times, though, I felt like Freddie was kind of the, like this, the focus of this movie. Um, you know, it was kind of, I think we saw more Freddie on screen versus Billy, which, mm -hmm. you know, is fine. I, I just don't necessarily feel like that was the promise of the movie. Like it's supposed to be Shazam, not necessarily Freddie, um, which is fine. Um, I really, really loved the opening. Um, you know, they're, they're in the museum. These two like soldiers are going in to, to see the staff. And I think there's a comment where the, um, the museum guy, I know he's a famous actor and I'm totally forgetting his name says like refers to them as guys and they take off their helmet and, Oh, it's women. And I thought that was so cool. Um, and I really liked that, you know, the family relationship between these women and also that there wasn't really a motivation having to do with guys at all. They were just, you know, women villains and they were just cool and badass of their own, um, you know, just of their own accord. So that was fun to see. Um, I also really liked seeing Lucy Liu. I thought she played the kind of sinister, crazy villain lady um, very well. And I thought she had, I thought she, like, you could understand her motivations. You understood why she was kind of um, the, the most evil of them, I guess. So 
I thought they handled that well. And I'm glad she got to play that role too, because I know she talked about um, how, I guess it was 20 years ago, she would not have had the chance to be in a comic book movie. So I'm glad that, you know, there's that opportunity there now too. You know, oh, go ahead, Vic. Yeah, I just want to quickly say that when I saw Lucy Liu, I had major hella vibes. Mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett, like, took straight from the Thor Ragnarok, like, almost the same character. Mm-hmm. You know, what I was shocked about is that going into this film, and just from the trailers, I thought that Helen Mirren was going to be the big bad, and that, like, Lucy Liu was going to be, like, the forgotten sister. You know, those mm-hmm. were kind of the roles that I saw it as. And so when it turned out to be that Lucy Liu's goddess was the one that just, like, became became the, the big bad and, like, took over and just was you know, willing to kill her sisters. I was shocked in that aspect because I did not see that coming prior to this film. And once we started the film, I was like, oh, she's got a lot of rage there. She got a lot of anger. And the more that I played out, I was like, oh, wow, this is this is an interesting take. And I loved it. She did a great job. So absolutely props to all three sisters. They did really great. There were moments too. I thought you could see where it was kind of building. Like I think Karen, Helen Mirren's character like pulled her hair back and is dismissive of her. And you can kind of, see that just starting to spiral for her so i thought that was kind of those were kind of nice uh choices absolutely um so you know we 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 talked about some of the things we didn't like is there anything else that really bothered you in the movie things that you have to get off your chest um things that were your least favorites that you you want the entire world all all 12 people listening to to hear How much time do we have? (laughs) (laughs) Go, Vic. Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And that it's not Gal Gadot, but some random actress. And they just put Gal Gadot face and voice over it. Like, we heard that uh, apparently Gal Gadot shot some scenes for Shazam before uh, Aquaman 2 cameo. But with, uh, I think it was yesterday, uh, some people released the behind the scenes uh, photos and there's some random actress dressed like Wonder Woman. So I wonder why they did it. Why they even brought uh, Wonder Woman back. I don't know. It's like such mm-hmm. a missed opportunity for this character. I really like the first joke uh, when they, I think, yeah, it was uh, in Billy's dream. Mm-hmm. when he's on a date with Wonder Woman. It was really great. It was a really great joke, especially when Shazam showed. But after this, it felt like, I don't know, I was really, really disappointed with it. I agree. And I thought that they definitely shoehorned it in to try to be like, look, we are part of this bigger you know, <laughs> world. But it didn't, make, it didn't make a ton of sense in that aspect. And I think what would have been better was to have a moment where the gods, whatever gods are still left, actually bestow the powers back to uh, Rachel Zegler's character. And then she gave the staff, because I think that would have more re- emotional resonance with the film. Adding Gail Gadot in there, and it wasn't even her, was just, it was a really weird scene that didn't quite fit. And it leads to one of the parts that I had the most problem with was this ongoing joke about like these young children being mm-hmm. in love with older women. And like it was very okay normalized and I just thought that was the wrong portrayal like the Mm -hmm. wrong joke to have because if kids are seeing this 
they think it's hilarious or they think it's okay. And then we have a problem where we're going to see a lot more kids pursuing older women when they are underage. And I don't know, it just felt very odd. And I, I, I actually cringed a little bit with those. And I was like, this was not the movie to have those jokes in. Not that you should ever make jokes about that, but not a family film where you're bringing your, you know, teenagers. Yeah, I agree. I thought that, I, I think if it was reversed, if it was, if it was a male superhero and, and a young girl, I think that joke wouldn't have been as acceptable. And I think that's a, you know, that, that speaks to a larger conversation that we like as people should have why do people feel like it's okay to make that joke and that was um I I I cringed too that was totally problematic for me um I thought that I think Gal Gadot super Wonder Woman um yeah it felt a little bit weird too like so are you saying that in that first scene where you know where we in the dream where we see her turn around and then it's the wizard's head it wasn't her no, in the last oh. scene, it wasn't her. See, that's interesting because I had read that getting that last scene shot was like problematic and the director had to direct her over Zoom and stuff. So did they just superimpose her face over a um, a double then? They deep faked uh, it, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that was weird and that, that's even weirder. Um, I know that they, so they, they tried to use Wonder Woman in the marketing, right? I think she was in the trailer. And I think that was, again, to get people to see the movie. They seem to be very focused on trying to get people to see the movie, which I understand. And from what I from what I understand, too, the wizard joke, um, w- where the wizard has, you know, has Wonder Woman's body and, and the wizard's head, obviously, it was kind of a nod to the first Shazam, where you didn't, Superman was in it, they had initially, they had intended to have Cavill in there, but they couldn't, so they just had the darkened, like... They, they had headless superman instead so i think that i've read that that was an intent to be kind of um a callback to that so that was weird um something that re- that bothered me too was rachel zegler's character um so it was kind of insta love for with freddie and i know there was like that, that so that's a trope in romance and you know it works when it's done well but i just felt like that she's she's six thousand years old she's seen some stuff why is she like falling in love and, and risking everything, this relationship with her sisters to be with this teenage boy. That really bothered me. Um, and I just didn't, I didn't get that insta love there. And I, that was weird. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was weird, weird, really weird for me too. I mean, when I saw it for the first time, I mean, I thought it was just a, a ruse from her. She was just trying to, you know, to, to force Freddie to, I don't know to sell sell out Shazam or something, but in the end, when she lost her powers and I mean <laughs> she re- reunited with Freddy, I thought, okay, I mean if she lost her powers and she was meant to become human for the rest of her life, it was okay, uh, it was acceptable, it would work for me. But when she got her powers back, I mean she's immortal again, so. So like what in 50, 60 years Freddy will die and she'll look for another teenage boy or something. She, she, it will be Steve Trevor all over again. <laughs> <laughs> and which mentioned about the, the headless Cavill, headless Superman. It would work with Wonder Woman if uh, they didn't include her at the end. The headless superheroes would work for me. It, it would be such a fun thing for Shazam. Like, you know, it would be his 
this this franchise would be recognized for including superheroes without faces, without heads. <laughs> and it would be really funny for me, but right now, yeah. So what did you, um, so we, we've talked, you know, about the post credits, you know, what we've talked about, whether or not we think they, um, you know, they're appropriate in the context of the family film. We've talked about what it means um, in terms of their filming. And I just want to know, are we, are we all joining the Avengers Society, the authorities? Is that like, what's, what's our deal here? What are we doing? What did you guys think <laughs> of that? Um, we're joining the Avengers Society because that sounds dope. Um, <laughs> after Black Adam, I don't know if I want to join the Justice Society because they seem kind of uh, not great. <laughs> and who knows what's going on with the uh, the the oh my gosh the JSA? Um, <laughs> it's not great. It's not great. Um, Ju- Justice League, yeah, no. Um, we're not going there either. So, you know, let's go Avengers Society all the way. What about you? I, I would pick, of course, Avengers Society. I would not pick JSA because they let the, the god die. I mean, Dr. Fate is, is a god and they let him die. So, no, I don't want to die. <laughs> Justice League, uh, no, they're full of incompetent people. Only Flash can save the world. they like, okay, Flash, save us. Go back in time. So no, uh, author the authority. Um, I'm lawful good. I'm not a villain. I don't want to kill people. I'm not Homelander. So so yeah. So so Avengers. Yeah, I, I think I'm just gonna ignore them all and just go hang out in Gotham and just pretend none of it exists. Um, okay. Why so, Gotham? Gotham's I mean, not exactly a great place. It's got Batman. You can't go wrong with that. I mean, you can, but yeah. The, the Batman uh, now is okay. I was gonna say I have a, I have seen six episodes of Gotham Knights to argue that it's uh, well. <laughs> we're, I mean, we're we're not gonna do Gotham Knights spoilers, but that's uh, another episode. What's there to spoil? <laughs> Oof! <laughs> and with that, where, where were we at? No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so back to Shazam. Um, okay, so I I did want to talk about a couple specific things, and you know, one of the things I want to talk about is the wooden dragon. Now, I read that the director actually went to the folks who did the dragon from I think the dragons from Game of Thrones to create the dragon for their movie. Um, what did you guys think of it? Was it was it cool, or did you did you think it looked crappy i actually was impressed with it i was not i was surprised with how small small the budget was compared to some of the marvel films how well the cgi actually was and the dragon was i thought pretty impressive though i will say that they had a lot of the scenes in dark areas which as drew reed would tell us means that they're (laughs) trying to cover up imperfections a lot easier um i mean the whole final battle took place at night and Mm -hmm. The only thing lighting it up was the lightning. So, you know, I think that's part of it was that there wasn't a lot of of it necessarily in the daylight, but it still looked good to me even when it was. I had no complaints about that. Yeah, also for me, it looked really good, especially for the budget, just as you said. But um, I've got a really, really big problem with this dragon because it didn't feel real or alive for me. It was like, Mm -hmm. it was just a statue it was, you know, it was revived or something, and um, so I guess it was okay, especially just as you mentioned what Drew would say, 
darkening things up covers the, the really bad CGI. So, mm-hmm. so I think it was not the issue. It was planned, but I would wait. I don't know if some VFX artists, you know, debunked it or something. I thought that they used, you know, again, like Drew said, that that trick to to kind of hide any imperfections. I think that bit of movie magic kind of worked well for them, um, at least in my opinion. I think that I thought the dragon looked cool. It reminded me of the dragons from Skyrim um, because I haven't seen Game of Thrones and I just enjoyed that. Um, I'm glad they didn't make it a fire dragon and instead it was a fear dragon because I, you know, my my weird brain would have issues with having a wooden dragon that could breathe fire. Although I suppose the fire could catch anything on fire. Um, but yeah, moving on. So another thing I wanted to just chat about briefly was the product placement in this movie. Um, there have been some conversations online that have called it a little bit gratuitous. Uh, did you guys think it worked? Did you note it as you were watching it saying, Hey, they probably paid for that. Or what did you think? Yeah, I, to be honest, I really don't have a problem with advertisement like this, unless it's forced. Because when you pay for a, for an ad in a movie, you have to let the director to you know or the writer to perfectly put it in the movie. But if it's forced, like you, you need to force a joke. Like it was, I don't know, uh, Darla put uh, skittles in Mary Jeans, yeah, or something like that. I think it wasn't it wasn't funny, but when the unicorns unicorns showed up, it was really funny for me. I mean, it really worked. So it depends, but I really don't have a problem with a promotion like this. Do you know? I I I did, I did notice it, and sometimes it kind of brought me out of the film. But the reason why is because. I don't know if you guys remember the show Bones, but Bones mm-hmm. did it all the time with their car. And they're like, look at this cool feature on this car. Mm-hmm. And they would stop and they'd like touch the screen. And so for <laughs> me, when they would, they did the Gatorade and they did the Skittles. And um, I think I did not catch this one, Isla, but you pointed out about the hotels. And I'll, I was just, but with the Gatorade and the Skittles, I was like, they mentioned Gatorade a few times. They mentioned Skittles. They made it a part of the story, which it didn't really work. And so I was just like, you're trying to shoehorn these in because obviously you needed money for a budget because your studio isn't doing well. Um, it, it felt very shoehorned in and I wasn't, it was kind of annoying. I wasn't, I was just like, they needed to maybe do it a little bit easier. Um, I don't know. I didn't like it. For me, the thing that really stuck, well, the really thing the thing that stuck out was the skittles and i actually didn't mind it um just because i remember the commercial i get i don't remember when it was maybe early 2000s where they were talking about taste the rainbow and just mm-hmm. i don't think i've seen that commercial in many many years so that was kind of a nice little um bit of nostalgia and i also think it worked story wise taming the unicorns with skittles like yeah i can see that that makes sense it's a comic book um something that was interesting to me is so the final battle happened at citizens bank park in philadelphia i have been to citizens bank park many many times so as i was as they were going around the stadium i was like looking seeing what advertisements were on the wall and trying to figure out okay who's actually paid for for their thing to be included in there and i think i saw novacare and then some other fake brands so that was kind of noticeable for me um but I didn't yeah. think about that one. Yeah. And I mean, I have many other thoughts about the stadium and how like 
okay, you're actually filming in the stadium, but then why are you making it not look anywhere like where the stadium is? But that's just me being a, an angry Philadelphian. Um, and we don't need to talk about that now because we're going to run out of time. Yeah, so, I mean, that looks like the same <laughs> the same case scenario as with Marvel movies. You shoot in Atlanta to look at like New York. Yeah. New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I want to also ask about Steve. Did you guys like Steve? I love Steve. He was probably <laughs> the best part of the film for me. He was just the one part when he shrugged, I literally lost it. I was like crying, <laughs> laughing so hard. He was just like such a sassy little pen and um I wanted more than him. However, I think that they took the writing of the letter jokes a little too far. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides that, Steve himself was awesome. Like when Helen and Mirren was reading the letter that Steve wrote, that was hilarious. That because that was the first time we really had that um that gag i thought it was, i thought it was a great addition <laughs> yeah it was very funny i mean it was just a simple joke but, but it worked yeah it's hard not to like steve um i do think though like like you said brian i think that maybe they took it a little bit too far when they kept having him like write literally apparently they've never heard of proofreading um it also yeah. brings up one other question though too um you know, with Billy talking about how they all had to do it together or not at all, why were two of the individuals able to like walk away so much that one found a secret library and one was cataloging doors? It that that felt a little interesting to me because it's like if you're all being Shazam together in that room, how'd you find the secret library? And nobody noticed that the whole cavern opened up. So that that was my one thing about that. Yeah, they did seem to know about the doors, though. They they yes. seemed to know that that was his hobby and his thing. And it, it reminded me of Monsters, Inc. So that was fun. Um, and just seeing what the different doors did, too. I thought that was neat. Is Absolutely. there anything before we, you know, we end for the for the chat that you guys really need to share about Shazam? Any final thoughts, things you want to get off your chest? Hope for a sequel? Anything under the sun? I don't know if it's enough time for me to <laughs> share this theory that I had that I sent you about the series. Do it. Yeah, it was a good theory. Okay, so basically, if you remember, uh, the there was a flashback with uh, Doctor Savannah in this film. I think it was in the first first two acts, mm-hmm. and uh, there were they had uh, the suits from this movie, not from the first movie. So I thought why they didn't change them maybe it's because this movie Shazam Fury of uh, Shazam Fury of the Gods is happening after uh, the events of the Flash uh, after the Flashpoint and if you knew if you know what Flashpoint uh, does then you know it changes everything and puts some things back changes some into different okay basically mm, those suits I think they changed because of the flashpoint <laughs> and um i don't know if you if you if you if you, if you oh my god i i forgot the word <laughs> sorry uh the another earth yes uh, so if the flash changed the events uh of the first shazam maybe uh this shazam had this story of the shazam happens on the is happening on the another earth instead of the earth from the first movie i don't know if you, <laughs> if you follow me but uh, no but, but that makes sense it does yeah well 
what I mean by that is that Shazam Fury of the Gods is now, maybe, is now in the new DCU, and its story happens in the new DCU, or maybe on another Earth. We don't know, but, you know, that would explain why the suits were in the flashback were the new ones instead of the old ones. Now, do you think we could see a connection then somehow with the upcoming Flash movie and Shazam, or is that just too in the weeds? Yeah, I mean, from what we know about the Flash and all the other cameos or whatever, it's it's really possible, especially, I don't know if they, they probably cut the the ending scene of the Flash, but I, I won't mention it right now, but there was some connection uh, with the Shazam, so so so, I think it's possible, but I don't know what James Gunn will do, because we still have uh, around three months till the premiere, so so they could easily change the whole, maybe not the whole uh, third act of the movie, but but some of it. Let's I got so. really confused. <laughs> uh, I got really confused right now by my own words. No, it's okay. I think it's I a good theory. As I say, I think it I think it makes sense, especially because they never clearly tell you when this film takes place or where it takes place. We just know it's Philadelphia. Um but there's no indication of like the the con the whole con connective tissue to it. So I think that makes a lot of sense. It could be in the Flash world, um, which would be interesting because of what we know, what we potentially know is gonna happen down a flash. What they could easily move the Shazam world away and reboot it without having to deal with anything. But um, I guess that remains to be seen in a few months and we'll be able to talk about it then on that podcast. Well, I thank you so. guys. Thank you guys so much for being here and for chatting Shazam Fury of the Gods. Um, you can you can read more about it at the cosmic circle circus.com. Um, where can you guys find where can anyone find more of your writing or uh, hi everybody again this is brian kitson um you can find me on twitter at kitson301 and my writing at the cosmic circus in here on the cosmic podcast so um the cosmic circle podcast which we put out quite a few times a month so i look forward to always talking with you guys then i'm Vic again and you can find me at uh, eric salka on twitter and you can read my articles on the Cosmic Circus site. And once again, sorry for the confusion at the end. You're um, not, nothing was confusing. It made sense and it's given us a lot to think about. It sounds better on paper. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading you writing about it, frankly. So no, he's, you, he's got to finish writing about his Doctor, Ar Doctor Who article first because I've been waiting <laughs> patiently for that. Well, it's almost it's coming. It's coming, guys. So check um, the cosmiccircus.com for, for all of our updates. And you'll hear us without the bloopers there, or you'll read us without the bloopers there. I'm Isla Ruby. You can find me at T-U-L-A-N writes uh, at Twitter. And you can also find us all at Cosmic Podcasts on Twitter. Have a great day, everyone. Bye. Bye.